Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Joey Wagner, and what a difference a year makes as Illinois crushes Virginia 24-3. Same team, Illinois basically, uh, played the same team basically as Virginia. I know there's a lot of differences offensive line-wise, coaching staff-wise, but this is a good measuring stick performance for Illinois after that disappointing loss, Joey, uh, to Indiana last week to bounce back and just dominate this opponent. We'll talk about some issues on the offense. But to dominate like they did, especially defensively, shows how much growth this program has made, right? Um, I know Virginia's got some issues, but for Illinois to do that, I think it's a great measuring stick for Illinois to say, man, we are making huge progress year one to year two under Brett Bielman. And to be honest with you, Joey, I think we came out here last week and talked about some positives from Indiana because they dominated most of that game. Illinois did that again today. They got some things to learn on, especially on offense. But two power five opponents – they really dominate and control the action. The only thing holding them back is themselves. But to do it in a 21-point win certainly feels different than in a, a three-point loss. There were a couple points, Jeremy, during that game that we looked at each other and we were like, uh, you kind of got to close the door here because you're running a risk of making this a problem. And it was probably much closer, this game, than it – like the score was much closer than it ever felt. I, I mean, at some point you were like, they, one play. Virginia was really one play away from really putting the heat on, but you got out of it with that. And, and the measuring stick, I'm glad Brett Bielema mentioned that because I wondered how he was going to handle it. Because he's, he's really strategic in, in what he says and how he wants things outside of his building framed. And I just thought it was like telling to me that he came up and said, this shows us the year-over-year growth because I, I could have foreseen a situation where he tried to like pump the brakes on it a little bit, and he didn't. I thought that was really a meaningful way to frame this yeah and I mean defensively we knew that this was a different defense than we saw last year when we were in Charlottesville for that massacre right I I mean they just put it on Illinois right away but we've known ever since then Ryan Walters made both the schematic changes and personnel changes that made Illinois one of the best defenses in the Big Ten last year and that has carried over into this season. They have been dominant, especially the last two weeks. You tweeted out, Joey, after the game. The last two weeks, they've given up 74 rushing yards on 55 carries. Now, I know one of those was a 27-yard loss on a bad snap, but even take that one out. This is another dominant performance uh, by, the rushing, uh, by the rush defense to only allow 1.4 yards per rush for a Virginia team that wants to run the ball now. And then Brendan Armstrong looked like a Heisman contender last year, 405 yards and five touchdowns. He didn't look like an NFL prospect or even an all-ACC team quarterback today with what Illinois' defense did to him. And we talked about it last week, Joey. They got pressure on Indiana. They weren't able to sack him. 
Brett Bielma said Brendan Armstrong held the ball more than Connor Bazelak did. Bazelak was fine with incompletions. And we talked about getting sacks is so much different than, you know, get forcing an incompletion because you go to second, second and 17, it's hard to convert third downs. Illinois forced Virginia to 2 of 20 on third and fourth downs today. Brendan Armstrong, after going, what, 27 for 36 last year? He's 405 yards. <laughs> 13 of 32 today for, what, 180 passing yards, and most of that seemed to come late in the game. Ryan Walters has had a great calendar year. That was his masterpiece. That, that was a game, even though you got in a raise, you go back into Josh Whitman's office, office and just go, hey, you got any more of that money? Because he's deserving, man. And I don't want to just put it on Ryan Walters because obviously he's the mastermind. Um, Brett Bielma is a part of that too, but he's got a really good defensive staff. We, we know that with Kevin Kane, Andy Boo, Aaron Henry, uh, Terrence Jameson. Those guys are, are putting together a, a defense that's starting to look like what we've seen out of Iowa. Um, I, I don't want to say they're there yet, but they're, they're building that identity defensively. And they're building an identity that you can take on the recruiting trail in the bye week. And we've seen them recruit to that side of the ball. But, Jeremy, you and I were talking before. We went live here. We can get to Kendall Smith in a minute, but I, my first trip is to Kankakee and showing Jair Hill, Kirby Joseph, showing Kendall Smith, showing those numbers and saying, look at what we have here for you if you want to come here. And, and obviously that's translating on the field. It's it's a heck of a turnaround. Jimmy, this game was over before people in Champaign had a cup of coffee yeah. last Saturday. It was a 10 a.m. kick in Champaign last or last year, rather. It was over. It was over. Most of us have our coffee before 10 a.m. Don't but. worry about that. Listen, don't worry. It was, I mean, that was, come on, man. <laughs> that was a blowout early on. And just the way, I just think it's such a, and I, to your point, I know everything is different with Virginia. But you don't get a lot of these, like, pure, one-to-one measuring sticks in college football very often. You have it here. And I just, like the defense, you, I, what else do you say other than Ryan Walters should probably ask for more money or Colorado might be calling Ryan Walters. It's, it's really just such an impressive turnaround for what they did. And the run defense, you wondered, I, I wondered coming out of Indiana, it's like, well, they don't, you know, that's not really what they do well. But, man, to 74 yards against your only two power five opponents on 55 attempts, that's, that's unbelievable. Let's talk about some of the stars on this defense because I tweeted this during the game. You better enjoy Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph while you got them because those guys are NFL players. Whether it's this year, next year, those guys are putting together three games. Like These are some of the best defensive line play we've seen in a long time for Illinois. And they've had some good defensive linemen. Uh, you know, Dewan Smoot had some really, really good games. But Johnny Newton again today was, was a wrecking crew. But I, I think Keith Randolph has been overlooked, and you and I have tried to make note of that the last couple of weeks. He's been very disruptive. Tonight, two and a half tackles for loss, two quarterback hurries, uh, gets a sack as well. We'll mention the freshman coming up here soon. But uh, Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, Illinois needs to recruit more guys like that because those guys are game wreckers. And, and when you can control the line of scrimmage like they did against a really unproven, potentially bad Virginia offensive line, but they treated them like it. I, I mean, the defensive stats today – we'll get to are, are ridiculous, but nine tackles for loss, five sacks. They were able to get to the quarterback and bring him down. And Gabe Ackes, the freshman, was a big part of that as well. Yeah, I want to zoom in on Keith Randolph. We got a chance to talk with him after. So stats, seven, seven tackles, one sack, two and a half tackles for a loss. He said, he said, on our way back from Indiana, I'm in Johnny's ear because Johnny Newton had that great game at Indiana. He said, well, what are you doing here? What are you doing? Those two are really good for each other because they – 
Yeah, they're friends, whatever. They've got the United, but they go back and forth with one another. And to have those two guys just kind of playing off of each other, I think you saw that probably a little bit in the secondary a year ago, especially with like a Sidney Brown and a Kirby Joseph. But to have those two kind of come up and elevate together, like they were a year apart, but they're hitting their stride at the same time. And it is really something to watch. Like to see interior linemen get the amount of pressures that they're getting. Like, we've talked about, how many times did we talk about those two specifically before the season? It's like, listen, these might not be, like, huge statistical positions, like a Rod Perry, like a Calvin Avery who's been playing well. But, man, it, it, you notice when they're there. Well, now they're both. Like, you notice them, and they're having huge statistical seasons so far. It's, those two are, it, it's a really good combination for each other. Yeah, and let's, let's mention it. We were talking about the outside linebackers really got to step up, right? Well, Seth Coleman gets a sack early in that game. I thought it was a fantastic play for him. Kind of delayed it and then went to the quarterback. And we saw that athleticism that gives him such a high ceiling. So to see him get going uh, was really good. But then Ezekiel Holmes got hurt. Looks like it's a serious knee injury. He was on crutches after the game. Bielam admitted that's probably a long-term injury. Well, Gabe Ackes, your table is ready. And we've talked about him, Joey, is, is a guy that we thought, especially after this off week, was going to get more time because he could just get pressure on the quarterback. I'm interested to see how he does against the Wisconsin's and Iowa's of the world that uh, against the run. But today, going up against that passing offense, he was he was as advertised. Like He was a huge get. I thought he was one of the best recruits they got in that class. They got him over Tennessee on signing day. And uh, he looks the part, man. He's, he's 6'3", 260 pounds, and he's got a quickness that is rare for a guy that size. So we've talked about them building up that position. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Gabe Ackes is, is a starter next week and if he doesn't let go of that job because Alec Bryant was out today with an injury too. Yeah, I mean, it, I thought coming in, like all aboard the Gabe Ackes hype train, and there's nothing we saw, obviously, two sacks that would make us think otherwise. That was a really big get. And, and I get it, like on signing day, a lot of like the classes are, it's just a formality, right? Like don't over, like it was kind of easy, I guess, a little bit in the moment to overlook, like, okay, he's a three-star, he was committed to Toledo or Tulane. It's committed there, man. That guy, he's just—he's ready. Like that's—he physically looks like he can play as a freshman in the Big Ten. He's backed that up, and I thought it was interesting before the season, or maybe it was after Wyoming, but in the early portion there, Brett Bielema said he's one of our best pass rushers, and I thought, well, that's one of two things. He's either pretty good, or you guys might have some trouble at pass rusher. It, maybe it's like half and half, or, or 75-25. But man, he is. He's backing up a lot of what – I don't even know if – like I want to say what they thought they'd get out of him because I don't know if you could plan on him coming in and having this kind of impact. It's really started to happen in that second half of Indiana and carry through to today. Yeah, I want to mention another freshman before we get to the real star of the secondary today. But uh, Matthew Bailey uh, just seems to be where he needs to be to make plays. That was a huge special teams play to turn the tide of Illinois' offense. Two turnovers in the first two drives. And they have two three and outs, Joey. And, Hugh Robertson goes back to punt again. You're like, man, the offense cannot help this defense that is playing so well. The defense only gave a field goal on those first four drives for Virginia and really a field goal only game. Um, but then to have that play where Taylon Ledsey gets the hit on Billy Kemp, uh, Billy runs backwards as he shouldn't inside the 10. It was so Nebraska-esque from last year's opener, wasn't it? Yeah, but then Sidney Brown, who's on punt. I mean, that's a starter on punt, comes down. Gets the ball loose. Matthew Bailey uh, there to scoop it up. And then I thought Taz Nicholson made a heck of a play on a, on a third down. 
uh, pass breakup, and uh, Matthew Bailey, or no, it's a fourth down, Matthew Bailey intercepts it, and uh, he was just there to make the play. So to see a guy like that, Gabe Ackes, like those guys weren't the highest ranked guys. I think you and I were really high on Gabe Ackes. None of us, even the coaching staff, thought Matthew Bailey uh, would make an impact right away. But to see those two guys make an impact, Tyson Rooks get on the field, and I don't know if he got credit for a pass breakup, but certainly altered a play where it was an incompletion. To see those guys get early playing time and, and guys that were kind of late additions, that's a good sign of this staff's uh, ability to evaluate. Yeah, it is a really good sign. And Matthew Bailey, you wondered, right? Like, what's there's all this camp buzz, and it was to a degree Tyson Rooks. You haven't really seen that manifest as much, but you wondered, especially with Bailey, like, well, if you're out there, it means someone else isn't, and that someone else is Sidney Brown, who's a really good football player. But I, the dime package is where Matthew Bailey came in, and, and obviously he had that pick. It's a good find. It's a good find. You're going to get a lot of good buzz because you go to the Quad Cities, you kind of stay in the state there, you know, thumbs up, back pass all around. But the kid's producing. I mean, this isn't just a, a take for the sake of the take. And I don't know if that's the first time you've talked to him in person. In person, one of the first times. But, yeah, talking to him on the phone as a recruit, he's really impressive. He's really impressive, and he's Sidney Brown. I mean, like Sid the, 2.0, right? the pacing of how they speak, the way they talk, the way they carry themselves, they're just kind of this high-energy guy. Well, good, because Sidney Brown's gone next year. <laughs> Matthew Bailey, your, your table. Like, if you wonder who's going to redshirt and who's not going to redshirt, Matthew Bailey ain't redshirting. Gabe Ackes ain't redshirting. We'll figure the rest out, but I don't need to know. I don't need to see another snap to know those two guys aren't going to take a red shirt. Yeah, we'll get to the offense here in a second. And, yes, if you're joining us on the live YouTube, you can send your questions. We'll get to those guys uh, here coming up. We appreciate you guys uh, sending those in. We'll, we'll answer those a little bit later. We'll get to the offense here in, in a little bit, but I do want to get to another guy that, that could play himself into an NFL draft pick is Devin Witherspoon. Um, kudos to the secondary. I mean, this is a massive, athletic, long Virginia wide receiver group, and there's potentially three or four guys, Joey, at wide receiver that had the chance to play in the NFL. I don't know if they're all burners outside of Kemp, but they shut them down. Like, these guys couldn't get open. Brendan Armstrong wasn't comfortable all day, and I thought it was really telling that I thought most of the day, I'll have to go back and watch the film, but most of the day they were just in man coverage with Kendall Smith over the top. That's what they do, and they have so much faith in those guys to one cover to make plays and to make those guys uncomfortable, but to have Kendall Smith solid today. He didn't let anything really get behind him at all. I think one play was a big play, right? Lavelle Davis got behind Quan Martin at one point, but Kendall, I think, made the tackle on that one. Um, so that was a huge performance, but Devin Withers from seven tackles, three pass breakups. So there's the stats. We see he's a, he's a number one corner in the Big Ten, but he gives this group an edge. Like He is the guy who is the talker who's annoying the crap out of the other team, but he backs it up. Like, it, he is Ryan Walters, he's Aaron Henry. Who, like, he embodies those guys on the field. And sometimes you got to pull him back, but he was waving goodbye to Virginia. Illinois was talking some smack because they saw Virginia talk some smack to them last year as Virginia was allowed to do, given the beatdown. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind saying this. It happened on the football field. Everybody, there was a play down the sideline, and – Let's say Devin Witherspoon had a hand in it being an incompletion, but it probably wasn't all on him. And he had a lot to say to the Virginia receiver after the play, and it, like he, he has that edge. Is it a fine line? Maybe. <laughs> it might be. But he back – I just think that sets a tone for back there and who they want to be. I'm excited to see the PFF numbers on him because he kind of – you're going to lose battles as a corner. I mean, that's just what cornerbacks do. You, you lose battles. He, I think he had allowed six completions against Indiana last week. 
I'm excited to see what it is. It's not going to be many, and it's not going to be for a lot of yards to have him back there. And we wondered how this was going to hold up, how this secondary was going to hold up with weapon after weapon, especially after we saw the breakdowns that we saw a year ago, or, or I'm sorry, a week ago in Indiana. And they, they held up. I thought Kendall Smith had a really big bounce back game. He had another interception today. Like that's that's the kind of like that quick turnaround and that those quick fixes that you saw. Our friend Gavin Good from the Associated Press was around, he interviewed Virginia. And he said Brennan Armstrong said, hey, they won their every one-on-one -on -one battle. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. There were no one-on-one -on -one battles a year ago in Charlottesville. It was one on air. And, and Virginia dominated. So to see, like to hear that changing of the tone is really like that's what you look at and say, okay, that happened. And Devin Witherspoon was a big part of that, Jeremy. They make you f Illinois' defense just makes you feel them. Like, like you, you just feel the pressure and the aggression. And after five years of watching Lovey Smith's defense just kind of sit back and just wait for the other team to make a mistake, I love the aggression. I love the edge of this defense, that they're going to make you make plays. And I always think that's a good thing with college quarterbacks and college offensive linemen. Force the action. Don't let them feel comfortable. I think that's what Illinois' defense is doing right now. So shout out to those guys. Uh, they're playing ridiculous football. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's go to the offense here, Joey. This is a mixed bag because it's the same thing as Indiana. They, they scored a couple more – they scored the same amount of touchdowns, right? Like uh, the offense, they were two, but they keep shooting themselves in the foot. But they move the ball. They are moving the ball with balance. I think Barry Lunny, yeah, you can quibble with some calls, but I think you guys are watching this game. This is a much better run offense, much more balanced. Can you look up the stats of what their passing and, and rushing yards are through three games, Joey? Because it feels like it is almost right on the money of what they're doing. But today, 400-plus yards, or around 400 yards, 200 rushing, 200 passing, rounding up here a little bit. They're at 394 today. But they're able to move the ball through the air. I think Tommy DeVito, outside of his interception, which was a poor throw, he did have a, one inside the red zone that was really iffy. But he threw an absolute dime to Pat Bryant. I thought he managed the offense really well. And then what more can we say about Chase Brown? Uh, he, is, he is potentially the best back in the Big Ten. Like, uh, Trevion Henderson is ridiculous talent. But right now, 500 yards, I think, through three games for, for Chase Brown. And in the offensive line, I thought, dominated today. I thought they were really, really good. Um, so I think this offense is moving the ball. He's got to quit with the turnovers. Today was ball, um, ball control and, and uh, ball security. They give three fumbles, one bad pass by Tommy DeVito for sure. And then the red zone, 
I don't know if it's all play calling, Joey, but they just need to execute. I, I think they miss Josh McCray, too. Yeah, they just got to find a way to score points. And we'll get to Caleb Griffin here in a little bit. But two missed field goals doesn't help. I mean, if you have two field goals, this game would have felt even way more comfortable uh, than it was. And 45, got to make that. 31, you certainly have to make as a college kicker. But four turnovers, some poor penalties. Um, red zone miscues with those missed field goals, Joey, and yet you still won because your defense is great and your offense is doing enough, but they got to score more than 24 points at some point. Like at Indiana, you had a chance to score 35. This game, Tommy DeVito said, we should have 56. I don't disagree with them. They're, they're leaving way too many points on the field that if you want to beat Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, those teams you got coming up next month, you got to find a way to convert. Yeah, you do, and that's what's whole. I mean, I'm with you. We watch, and I get it. Like, it's frustrating for fans to see this not get into the end zone, especially on some of these. It was a first and goal at the five, three straight throws today. That told me, kind of missed Josh McCray, but they're getting down the field. Like, Tommy DeVito had the best pass I've seen in a while down the sideline to Pat Bryant. It was a big chunk play, like stuff that you haven't seen a lot of this year, especially down the field and certainly in the past. And can we mention, like, if we want to talk play design, the Michael Marques play was was a fantastic play design. And the Tip Ryman touchdown, that was a great uh, call after what happened last week where you didn't have that that option to, to throw to the tight end. We were talking about that after the game. Like, have an option in that passing game where you get him on a rollout, DeVito on a rollout, and it was wide open. Uh, so I think I think Barry Lundy did have some good plays. Heck, that interception DeVito threw was wide open. Uh, Brian Hightower down the sideline, and he wasn't able to, to make the throw. I mean, he just had to get it up to Hightower, and he just underthrew it. Yeah, I think you're also seeing some, I mean, it's obvious there's growing pains with this offense that they've tried to put everything together. I think there are encouraging signs. I think that their wide receivers are better than hand up that you and I thought they were going to be coming into the year. It's just, they're getting in their own way. Like, this is a game, if you look at, like, I, I'm going to go back and look after this podcast, Jeremy, but some of those, like, those things that Brett Bielema talked about, the penalties, the turnovers, the mental errors, the mental errors they're not all that dissimilar from what you saw a week ago in Bloomington. Same. You, you just capitalized, and that's why I think you saw, and you're like, oh, my gosh. You start to get a little worried because it's 21-3, to and it doesn't feel like 21-3, to but they, the offense has just left the door open. Now, Ryan Walters hasn't let anyone get through there in his defense and that defensive unit, but there's obviously stuff that they're going to need to clean up in the bye week, and you probably it probably helps that you get Charlotte, let's be honest, or Chattanooga, let's be honest. Like, that's – Kind of not to get it right, but there's just more time before you've got to go to Camp Randall and you've got to get into this Big Ten defense and, and see, you know, start to see some of these top defenses in the league. But yeah, man, there's some cleanup they need to do. Uh, eight turnovers the last couple of weeks, four of eight inside the red zone uh, on attempts, I believe, or five of nine, excuse me. Uh, and then Caleb Griffin's got to be better. Uh, four of eight. Somebody asked, I know, who replaces him at kicker. I don't know if they feel comfortable. I think it's David Alano next year, uh, the, the, the kid they got committed. I uh, was one of the top 12 kickers in the country. So that's why they're bringing him in. But they, they brought guys in to make this a kicker competition, whether it's Fabrizio Pintone or uh, Will, Will McManus, who came in as preferred walk-on. I mean, we've seen them live. Caleb Griffin was better when we saw them, and certainly – uh, Caleb has earned that job uh, for a reason. So I don't know if you get any better. Caleb's got to have more confidence, it seems like, at this point. Yeah, I mean, you can't miss a 31-yarder. Those are just big. I get it. Like the 50-yarder against Wyoming, okay. But then on the other side, you see him hit a big field goal at Indiana. And you, like To me, I thought 
was at the turning point he needed to just kind of put it all together. And, and Caleb carries himself confidently just day to day in our interactions with him. So I thought, okay, you combine that per part of his personality with the big kind of clutch kick here, like maybe that's the, the turn he needed. I, I didn't see him. Like, if you would have asked me, is he going to miss a 31 and a 45 coming in? I said, no, I, I thought you saw him put it together. He, he's got to start hitting those. Those are points that are going to be important in October and in November. And I think you got to put pressure on him to be better. But I think if you take him out, you lost him, and he's probably your best kicking option right now, right? So James McCourt wasn't consistent early in his career. Chase McLaughlin, I don't think, was very consistent early in his career. This is a different job when you actually have to do it in a game week after week and the pressure of that. You gotta learn how to deal with that. So I know he's a fifth year guy. This is the first time he's done this job. So he's gotta be better. I wonder if he can learn from this too. I mean you gotta you gotta be better in that because there's gonna be so many close games. That was a concern coming into this year as a specialist. Hugh Robertson's been inconsistent, solid. Caleb Griffin at four of eight for the season. That's not good enough. No, and I know Brett Bielema is encouraged by the touchbacks. You're going to feel less encouraged by that if it comes down to a, a critical point in the game and you miss those field goals. So, I don't know, and I'm with you. I think the answer is in next year's recruiting class. I, I don't know. Like, that's probably not a fun thing for people to hear, but I don't know if you've got a better option on the roster right now than him. Uh, Luke Ford Fan Club, happy today. Four catches, 20 yards, I think, in the first half of that one. Brett Bielman made a big deal that Luke came to him and said, hey, whatever you need me to do, uh, and he put him on kickoff. That seems like a humble thing. Uh, for Luke Ford to do, so I'm interested to see moving forward. But they seem to want to get him the ball a little bit today. But then, of course, Marquez uh, and Tip Ryman get involved in the passing game. So all those fans wanting the tight ends a little more. I think it's a solid group, Joey. I really do. I think it's a solid group. They're really good in the run game. But to get them involved in the passing game, especially in the red zone, I think it's going to be very important because those guys are all big targets. They're tough for linebackers to cover. I think those guys are really important, especially until Josh McCray comes back, which we don't know when that'll be. Um, they said maybe we'll see how they go after the, the off week. I think he's going to be out for a little bit more time. That's just my read on it. Uh, but I think they're going to be really important in the red zone. Yeah, I think so. I thought getting Tiff Ryman involved, uh, he's a plus blocker. I think you still are seeing his pass catching game evolve and develop. I think getting him involved today was also a big step forward. Dude, just getting four catches for Luke Ford. I mean, it's, you can't – I understand he had a tough game last week in Bloomington, but you can't just – he's too talented just purely to turn around and say, no, sorry. Like, you need that guy. You don't need him to be a rock star in your offense, but you need him to be a contributing part of your offense. And I think – I, I, I'll be honest, man. Like, when Brett Bielema kind of kept with the whole Michael Marquez thing in the spring and in the fall, I'm like, dude, I, all right. I mean, Michael Marquez nice is delivering, man. man. And we saw kind of the, that bloom a little bit in Minneapolis last year when he was held out of the end zone uh, narrowly. But, man, he, he's been a nice addition and, and kind of an eraser-type stopgap at, at that position as they continue to build out where Bielma wants it. Yeah, so, you know, what are the issues, I guess, when you, when you look back at this offense? I think it's just taking care of the these fumbles. Like, Tommy's going to throw some interceptions every once in a while, and college quarterbacks are going to do that. He's got, what, two through three games? That's not bad. That's a eight pace. Um, so that's not that's not a too big of a concern for me because it's not a consistent thing. But you had six fumbles last couple games? Like, that is far too much. So they work on ball security every day. I asked Michael Marquez, what do they do for that? And he goes, we have a circuit we work on every day. They show it to us in film. And it's mostly guys coming up behind them and knocking the ball loose. And, and Virginia obviously was coached well in that. Lovey Smith obviously makes a living out of that and did when he was here at Illinois. 
So I just think it's more focus on, hey, when I'm up in the air and someone's tackling me and I'm kind of caught up, sometimes just get to the ground is, is the best thing you can do. That's what Pat Bryant was fighting for that extra yard, and you love that. But you also just want to take care of the ball and make sure you give your offense four chances to, to get the ball in the end zone. Yeah, I think you've got to clean those up. I mean, those and Brett Bielema, like he was asked, what was your mood at halftime? Were you mad? And he kind of gave the, uh, yeah, yep, I, I sure was. Because that's, those are reasons you don't lead 21 to 3 at halftime. But I also just think that, I mean, we, we talked about it before coming into this game at length. Dude, the red zone effect, efficiency has just got to improve. It's, you're seeing them get held up there too much inside the seven, inside the five, and, and close to the goal. Like, those are things. And, again, I, I do wonder how much Josh McCray, but Chase Brown's no slouch, obviously. Like you've got to find a way to punch that in. And I know your offensive line is still kind of gelling together. But those are important points. You, know, you don't want to settle for a field goal in those points. You just don't. Yeah, Chase Brown, how many touchdowns do you have this year? That's, that's one thing you'd like to see more is him be able to push him in. But I do think a, a positive of today was Reggie Love had a solid game. I don't know if he had a great – he didn't have a great game. You know, late in the game he had a couple carries, didn't get many yards. Zona was just trying to milk the clock. But he had a few nice runs. And drives didn't die when Chase Brown had to come off the field after a 39-yard run, right, to give him a break. And then you saw Chase Brown kind of come back in towards the goal line. Didn't work today, but, like, that's a good thing. The fact that Chase Brown still had more bullets left in the chamber today, it felt like, compared to Indiana, where he did. I mean, he was, he was dog-tired at the end of that game. So I thought that was a positive to see Reggie Love at least give them a solid option uh, where, where things didn't tank when he was off the field. And I think part of that was the offensive line. I thought the interior of the offensive line played better today. Julian Pearl didn't finish the game. I'm sure that's that – I don't know if we got anything from Bielema on him. But I'm sure that might have been the injury from last week, and he wasn't as effective. But, man, Isaiah Adams moving back to the left tackle. Looked great. Jordan Slaughter comes in. And I thought Pilstrom and Chrysler probably had their best games. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I know, like, Jordan Slaughter lost that battle. Dude, he's been really important these first yeah. three weeks of the season. Even though he's not, a, like, one of the five. I know Brad Bielema has done the, let's kind of call it coach speak a little bit. I still consider him a six starter. He's been really important to this team and to – I thought he stabilized against Wyoming. I thought he obviously stepped in and played well last week. I'm curious how that swapping is going to go at that guard spot. But, yeah, I thought Chrysler and I thought Pilstrom were a step forward you needed them to take. And, you know, I'm curious to talk to Alex Pilstrom when we do because you just kind of feel like you can see him starting to come into his own. And I thought I've talked about it before. We, we both have. Like, it's him being serviceable is so important to bridge to whether it's T.J. McMillan, whether it's Josh Cruz, whether it's Joey Okla. Like, that's so important, and you're starting to see him maybe start to come around a little bit. All right, uh, we'll take some of your comments here. The one thing I wanted to say today, uh, can you pull up the Big Ten scores today? If Illinois' offense figures this out, if they figure out how to cut down the turnovers and score when they get in the red zone, this team has a chance to surprise people. I know it's coming after last week where you lost Indiana in a really disappointing game, and you feel like you should be 3-0, and but you should be 3-1 and after next week against Chattanooga. And this Big Ten West is not impressing me <laughs> so far. So you had Wisconsin lose today to Washington State. They scored 14 points. We know Jim Leonard's defense is going to be really good. It's going to be hard for Illinois to score against them. Northwestern gave up 31 points to Duke today. Um, Nebraska, what's the score of that one? Nebraska is tied to twenty. They're terrible. Oh my God, that's chaos. I picked them seventh. I feel pretty good about that in my preseason predictions. Um, all right, and then you have Minnesota. I think is is pretty good. They 
killed the team today. And Iowa scored seven points against Iowa State. Like, they can't score. Purdue can score. Purdue and Minnesota have been the most probably impressive Big Ten West teams. I know Purdue lost last week, but it was still a really fun game against Penn State. There are so many wins for the taking, Joey, that if this defense can be another top five Big Ten defense, which I think they're capable of, um, this offense, if they can be ninth, eighth, I, I think they're there in total yards. Just got to find a way to score more points through the kicking game, through the red zone. If they can do that, this can be what Purdue was last year. I think this team is capable of that because I really like this coaching staff. I, I think this coaching staff has put this team in positions to succeed. They need to get more talent. They need to keep doing that. Finding guys like Gabe Matthew Bailey certainly a start. But this Big Ten West is going to provide them so many opportunities to win. And I include Iowa and Wisconsin because those teams aren't unbeatable. Michigan, to me, is the hardest team on the schedule. Michigan State's certainly very talented. But every, all these games, they should have a chance to compete. And it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. So if they can clean up the mental errors and miscues on offense, I think this team's got a chance to be pretty good. Well, you just circled the Big East, the Big Ten East team instead of the yeah. challenging. Yes. The Big Ten West, look, Illinois is somewhere between the second and third best offense in the Big Ten West right now. And it's not been a very clean and efficient and pretty think offense. Think about that. Like, that's – they're not far off from being in that firm number two spot. Like, that's – that's what we're saying. Like, when we talked about, okay, are they going to get rid of divisions? That's why I had this mental image of Brett Bielema screaming off the balcony of his office, like, no. Like, you want the West as long as you can have the West. And there's just not – now, there, this offense is going to get a lot more tested against the Wisconsin's, the Iowa's of the world, Michigan – or Minnesota, Michigan. But, man, it's – Does they have a chance? Like, I, you yeah, they there. have a chance because nothing is daunting in the West. Nothing in the West you look at. This isn't in the past where you're like – oh, my God, how are you going to be X, Y, or Z? Like, those are still going to be hard games. I don't know that you're going to say Illinois favored in those games. But if you just watch the eye test, it's not like you go in there and think, well, they're not getting out of there with anything that resembles close to a win. That's not the case. I just feel through three games, can we say this? Illinois has a competent, potentially good offensive coordinator. They have a competent, potentially good quarterback. Like Tommy DeVito has put together three really solid games here. Um, and then I think Barry Lunny, you know, 400 yards each game is really good for Illinois, especially the last two weeks against Big Ten <laughs> opponents. 400 yards is such a huge increase. They average 200 passing yards. We were sitting here in our over and unders last year, Joey, talking about can they pass for 80 yards. Like, they're, they're, <laughs> we expect them now to, to have 200. There are things to correct. We know that. But I think there's really good signs if they can just not shoot themselves in the foot. This offense can be pretty solid. It's self-inflicted. Dude, if you would have said a year ago, hey, listen, listen, you're going to have a coordinator who's going to get you 400 yards of total offense a game, there would have been a parade down Neal in Champaign. Like, I get it. There, there is a lot. Like, those self-inflicted wounds are keeping you from being 3-0 right now. And they made today. It wasn't really a close game, but it made it feel close, look closer than what it was. But, like, these aren't things where you're like, they don't have these pieces to make, like, there's enough there. I don't know if it's good. I don't think you're going to have outside of Chase Brown. You pick a lineman like a quote-unquote top half of the Big Ten player at any one position or that top seven player at their position in the Big Ten. But you have enough to put up 400 yards of offense. Chase Brown, sir. Yeah, you have, you have him. And probably you could throw Isaiah, pick a lineman. But, man, like 
400 yards of offense isn't anything to sneeze at. Yes, you've got to figure everything out, but everybody would have taken that after Charlotte, after Rutgers a year ago. It's just some of these things do take a little time. This defense stunk last year in the first two games in that turn. I'm not saying expect that, but like we, we do sometimes get caught up in the right now, 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 and there are issues. I don't think you should gloss over those. But there's also the understanding that like, I think this bye week is going to be a big deal. I think getting a game against Chattanooga is going to be a big deal. And we'll see. Maybe they'll keep shooting themselves in the foot all year, and this yep. is all for nothing. But I think you can see signs or maybe the skeleton of, of an effective and, and not even a plus, just a, maybe a slightly above average offense. I think it's a good reminder of three games in last year, this defense wasn't very good. Ryan Walters figured out his personnel, figured out how he's got to put those guys in positions to succeed, and figured it out. Barry Ohlone's had three games now to figure it out. Now he's got an off week outside of recruiting to really focus on, okay, what, what are we, what can we do, how can we fine-tune those things against Chattanooga, win that game, and then go to Wisconsin and give ourselves a chance to win against one of the elite defenses and defense coordinators in the country. But I think he's going to give them a chance. I think he's proven that he can give his team a chance. He's not the one fumbling out there, right? And he's not teaching that stuff. So that once they clean those things up, once he figures out how they can um, – I think he's a good coach. I think he's a good offense coordinator, and I think they, they got room for growth. So uh, I think they'll correct those things, but they certainly got to prove it. All right, let's get to some of your comments uh, before we go. Somebody said just give us a meme, Joey. Make him a bicycle, clown. <laughs> I don't have – I'm just so mad. I'm sure you can find a meme somewhere. Uh, extend Ryan Walters till 2045. I was sitting there at halftime uh, asking somebody, like, the jobs that could be open. And I said, just give him $1.5 million. Let him be that D coordinator. Let him be your Jim Leonard for a while until that perfect job comes along, whether that's Colorado or whoever it is. Uh, out West certainly seemed like it would – but I think he can coach anywhere. Um, so, yeah, you keep him as long as you want. But don't forget, like, I want to remind – I think Ryan Walt, I think the world of Ryan Walters, obviously. Kevin Kane's really good. Andy Boo's really good. Two former FBS defense coordinators. Uh, Aaron Henry we think is really good. And Terrence Jameson's group is playing amazingly well right now. So uh, it's a really good defensive staff. Eric said, Gay Backus start against UT Chattanooga. I think he has to. Uh, Ezekiel Holmes isn't going to be healthy for that game, and Alec Bryant was out today. But, yes, Gay Backus is one of the top two offside linebackers right now. Look, I probably would have said that whether Ezekiel Holmes did or, did or didn't get hurt today. I, I, I think I've said he's coming, and, and he's coming. Yeah, um, Zach said, DeVito looks so good after the interception. The defense was fire. Uh, can't miss field goals like that and win the Big Ten. I agree. The, the kicking game certainly has to improve, Joey. Uh, DeVito is the best quarterback by far since Shieldhouse. I think he's got to prove a little bit more, but I think he's showing a steadiness that we haven't seen maybe since Shieldhouse because Peters was so up and down. Lunt was up and down. And that, there's just times where I've said this before, the one thing I think Peters and Lunt lacked was that swagger. Like, that they are going to go make that play. Tommy, show me a little bit of that. Yeah, look, this is not the highest bar either. Right? I mean, it's just what it is. It's not the highest bar to be the best since then. But I, I, to say that after three games, I get the excitement. A little more time still. So. A little more yeah, time. I think he will be. Uh, what's, what's the status of Josh McCray? He, Bielma said we'll see in the next couple of weeks, but we don't really have a clear idea. Was Lafrey not 100%? It's another week of Aiden Lafrey getting talked about but not playing. I think Chattanooga is a very good opportunity for that. Yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting. Brett Bielma said he's probably our number four running back coming in, which I I flagged like, wait a minute, he actually gave us a number on where he's at in the depth chart. Is this trying to throw someone off? I just think it takes more time to 
you don't want to be in a position to lean on freshmen like you've had to do in the past. Yeah, uh, somebody asked about what do you think of uh, Devin Witherspoon, number 17 in the Walter football draft. I don't know what his measurables are. I don't know how fast he is. He's a little small, but, man, I love him as a player. I think he'll be a draft pick if he came out. Yeah, I mean, 17 was high when I saw it the first time. It's high when I see it now, but that doesn't mean he's not a date. Maybe he's a day two guy. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's a fair thing to think he might be. So we said about Jordan Anderson. Uh, Bielman just said he's not ready yet. Like, I get it. He's a big back. Could potentially play him. I, I just don't think uh, Bielman said he's not ready yet. Maybe he could be later on in the season. I wouldn't throw it out because you could use a guy like him when uh, Josh McCray's out. Yeah. I, don't, you don't need to force guys in there. If they're not ready, they're not ready. I, it's exciting to think about until it's clear to you that maybe he isn't ready. Uh, we have to wait for a new kicker until 2023. Well, Caleb Griffin won this job pretty handily. Uh, and when we saw these guys kick during fall camp, when we did see them kick, it was clear Caleb Griffin was the top guy. Yeah, there's a follow-up to that. Uh, have a campus-wide tryout. That would go over horribly. Don't do that. If you're a kicker at Illinois and you can kick anything of consequence, maybe show up to the Smith Center on Monday. I don't know. All right, that'll do it for us. Uh, we appreciate all you guys listening. Uh, give us a follow, a rating, review wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate it. Give us a, a like on the Facebook or on the YouTube page as well. Um, that really helps us out. And follow us on the YouTube page. I like to put a lot of content out on here. Joey's already going to his phone, getting ready for writing. We'll have plenty of content up at the site. I'll do my film review tomorrow as well. But enjoy the Illini win, the 2-1 start. Big bounce back after a disappointing loss at Indiana. Everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.